This is Dennis McCarthy, and you're listening to The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Well, we have one of those new talking machines. Now that is something. It plays music right here in our home. Progress is something we can't take for granted. Progress takes a lot of people wanting it and willing to work for it. You are listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. This week on the show... You know, if somebody just hummed to you, dun, 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 I mean, that could even seem ridiculous in certain <laughs> circumstances, right? right? Here comes the bad guy, dun, 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 you know? But it's not ridiculous because it's in Star Wars and it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic melody, but it toes the line between how broad it is and how giant in scope it is. And you can get away with that in Star Wars because it's, it's fantastic. Here's your host, Jamie Green. Welcome back to another episode of The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us online at thegbbpodcast.com and at theroarbots.com. And you can find us on Twitter and whatnot, pretty much uh, at the GBB podcast, or you can follow me at the Roarbots. Thank you for coming back week after week. Thank you for coming back this week. And I am thrilled to bring you guys our conversation with Kevin Kiner. Star Wars fans probably recognize that name as the composer of the music from the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. And he is back with The Clone Wars. He is back for the final season, which is now airing on Disney+. Plus. So if you've been watching that and loving that as we have been, um, the music probably sounds a little bit familiar. It's because he has been on board that show since, the, since its inception. Um, but he is a lot more than Star Wars. He has been, he is a very, very busy composer. He has been working on lots of films and TV shows. Some of them you probably know. He's been working on... CSI Miami, he has done uh, Hell on Wheels, Titans, Doom Patrol, Jane the Virgin, the Making a Murderer documentary from Netflix, Narcos. Um, He is a very, very busy composer um, in addition to the work that he has been doing in, in the Star Wars universe. And something really interesting that we talked about and that I didn't quite realize was that uh, if you're talking about just sheer notes and, and minutes of music, uh, hours of music, he has surpassed John Williams in, in just the quantity of music he has written for the Star Wars universe. Uh, he probably passed him quite a while ago, um, but uh, we talked about that a little bit. And we talk uh, a lot about The Clone Wars, obviously, because that's the the current project that's that's airing on Disney+. Plus. Um, but we talk about his work with the DC shows, his other, his, his other, uh, shows and films and the rest of his career. And it's just a fascinating, phenomenal conversation. Um, and I'm just going to stop babbling and let you guys get into it. Thank you guys for coming back week after week. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening wherever it is that you listen and get your podcasts. We appreciate it, especially now. Um, and we're going to do our best to continue to bring you guys some great conversations. But uh, until next time, I am Jamie Green, and for Shiri Sondheimer, who is also uh, co-hosting with me on this episode, we thank you, and here's our conversation with Kevin Kiner. Take care. 
music has always been an important part of the Star Wars universe, as I'm sure you know, you're not a stranger to it. Um, and much of that music has just been so iconic for decades now. How, when, when you first came on board, I'm not talking about now with the new season, but when you first came on board with the Clone Wars and Star Wars, how did you go about making a corner of that universe distinctly yours, but still be recognizable as part of a whole? Well, that's a very, very long answer to that question. I'll try to, I'll, I'll try to keep it in a couple of different areas. But the one thing, um, I have studied John Williams's writing style and specifically his writing for Star Wars since the early 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll often bring a copy, like if I'm going to do a clinic or, you know, a Comic-Con appearance or something, I'll bring a copy of my Star Wars that I bought in the early 80s. Um, they don't publish this certain score anymore that I have. But it's all dog-eared and it's all marked up everywhere with sort of my interpretations of what what John was doing, you know, in, in certain places. And Because, uh, you know, when I started composing for television and film, I, I just, I wanted to, to understand what he was doing. I, I think a lot of us as film composers, when we first heard, you know, like Superman or uh, E.T. or Star Wars, we all sort of thought, what the heck is going on? What is that guy doing? You know? <laughs> and, um, and, and so, and, and so over the years, I've studied a tremendous amount of, of John Williams's work, as well as his, his the guys he studied, like, Korngold and Stravinsky and uh, you know Rachmaninoff whatever it goes on and on um, and after a while that kind of becomes I, th- I think at, in in the best cases and what I, I strive for it that becomes part of my language and part of my voice and, and it's not at, at some point you stop imitating uh, an artist that you've studied, you know, whether that's as a guitarist with, you know, and you're, you're like trying to get down Jimi Hendrix licks or, you know, or Jimmy Page solos mm-hmm. or whatever it is, you, you know, you become your own guitarist, even though your foundation was, was with those guys, you, you go beyond it. Uh, and you know, music is, I mean, steeped in, in people who, would just outright rip off other guys like Mozart did it with Handel and, and, and um, uh, no Haydn, sorry. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it was just, you know, it's, it, it's been going on forever. We, we build on the shoulders of giants. And, and so when you ask me how I made it my own, I, I never tried to imitate John Williams. I, I um, give his melodies, homage and i i treat them with the utmost care but it's always i always try to be myself yeah uh and so that's you know that's it's conscious effort it's it's difficult you know um it's it's really hard i mean it's sort of like asking you know uh lebron james how he hits a three-pointer with a seven-foot guy in his face you know i mean he worked a long time at that yeah and and I have as well. When when you come into something like Star Wars, though, that's 
so huge and so big and is part of so many people's lives. Um, and, and, you know, you, you, up until the point that you came on, it really was just one guy scoring everything that we had heard with a, with a few minor exceptions. Um, did it feel like you were playing in somebody else's sandbox or, or was it like you were just saying that you take, you know, it was a conscious effort to say, this is, this is mine now and I'm going to, you know, pay homage to what came before, but I'm going to make it my own. So did it, did it feel like you were playing with somebody else's toys or did you right away kind of feel like this is mine? Um, I've, I've never felt complete ownership of Star Wars and I, right. I don't think anybody, any composer ever will. Uh, I was playing with his toys in a good way. Yeah. I, I mean, they were really, really some of the great melodies ever written. Uh, and rather than, you know, sometimes as film composers, we're given the task of they'll, they'll put a, some temporary music on a film or a television show that's from a movie and the, and the producer or director get really married to that. And we have to come, you know, sometimes uncomfortably close <laughs> to that melody before we can get it approved <laughs> by the director. And, and, and I mean, to the point where I've had to, you know, go to the studio and say, I'm uncomfortable with this, you, you know? So, so the great thing with, with using John's melodies is, is that, you know, this is star Wars. So, you know, I, I, I didn't have to play it sideways. I got to play it exactly that melody. And, and, uh, and the other thing, you know, the other thing that really was cool was that George Lucas was very intent on not using or not overusing John Williams's themes. And, uh, he really pushed the Clone Wars music in a new direction. And he pushed me to take it in a new direction. And it's very much, so I, I guess pretty much the best answer to both of the questions you just asked <sighs> is it's George Lucas's influence that have, that pushed me in that direction because he wanted it to be something new. He wanted it to move forward he didn't want it just to be a rehashing of something that had already been done. Yeah. So in Star Wars, generally, one of the ways that we know a person or a group of people is important is they get their own theme. Um, I remember very specifically seeing a video of, of Daisy Ridley hearing Ray's theme for the first time. Um, right. For the Clone Wars, for Rebels, do you get to see the character designs before you compose the themes? Like, do you look at the character and use that or, you know, any of the storylines or do you just have a general idea of the character and go from there? Uh, I do get to see early sketches and, and early, you know, character animation and character drawings and, uh, uh, concept art. Um, but, Truthfully, for me, I have always composed when I see picture. Uh, I I very seldom, if I ever, write if I don't have a gig. I'm I'm I've been blessed with a, a ton of work in my 35 years, and I've just always had gigs, and I I've always just written music when I see something on the screen. So, for instance, with a focus theme. I mean, I I saw some of the layouts of the of her character, 
but I really didn't understand her character till I saw the first scene with, with her sitting in, in her room. And uh, instantly I heard music. That's when I heard Ahsoka theme. When, when I heard the voice of, you know, I think it's Ashley and, and I saw the character and, and I, I felt the emotions that, that she was feeling. Um, that's when I came up with her theme. And it's pretty much true for the clone theme, for the Darth Maul theme, uh, so, so many of the other themes that I've written in Clone Wars. When you're when you're writing those themes, is there do you approach a theme for an individual like Darth Maul or Ahsoka? Do you do you compose those themes or think about them differently than you do for a group such as like the Bad Batch that we've already seen with the with the new season? Um, well, the Bad Batch is unique. Um, and their theme is is very much along the lines of, you know, the old, um, the like the Dirty Dozen or you know something like that. The old films, um, kind of the caper misfits, um, and, and so that the Bad Batch I would say is a special case. Uh, and, and again, you know, that was written it, also that was co-written with my son sean uh who's become a really great composer and contributes quite a lot to the uh to the new to new season seven of, of clone wars um with ahsoka and darth maul and the clones uh, again i guess the clones you know that's that was going to be something that had was a bit militaristic um but also just played less to individuals and was more the general theme of the clones. Um, I, I guess it's a case by case kind of situation, yeah. you know, and, and it's, and it's, again, it's just a feeling I get when I, when I watched whatever character it was, but it's, it's definitely a special process because I'm aware that these are going to be recurring themes. And so I'm, I'm aware that this is something that should have a, a, a strong melody and something that's going to be recognizable. Yeah. For the actors involved with the Clone Wars, I imagine coming back for season seven was sort of reunite, like reuniting with old friends. You know, they hadn't seen these characters in years. They hadn't been these characters in years. Um, so it was probably a great experience, but they also had to remember what it was like to be those characters and to find those voices within themselves. Did you have a similar path? Did you did you have to sort of find that sound within you again? Yeah, I did. And uh, I mean, for instance, I completely forgot what the clone theme was. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and I mean, I, I just come off of doing four seasons of Rebels, right. um, you know, and I, I compose for for other shows as well. So I'm like, oh, what was that? And also, the clone theme is a fairly complex piece of music it's 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 uh it's fairly sophisticated and i and i kind of had a general idea of what it was but i really had to go back in and look at my scores and remember to remember what i was doing and what you know what the the actual yeah (laughs) um, construction was so yeah i i had to i had to go back and and revisit some stuff 
was it was it hard to find that groove or did you once once you you listen to the old recordings you're like oh oh yeah of course and then you just got right back into yeah, it yeah no yeah it's pretty quick yeah. I, I mean i i'm sure i didn't work at it more than an hour yeah probably not even that long. <laughs> was it interesting for you you know rebels the music is very different um but it it comes from the same root. So was it interesting for you to work on four seasons of rebels and then come back to clone wars and be like, wow, that, that went into really different directions from the same place. You know, it's actually more interesting in hindsight um, than it was at the time. Um, (laughs) I, I kind of, you know, as, as I said, I've, I've written a ton of music and, um, every day I have a lot on my plate. So I kind of just put my head down and, and go. And I really didn't think of that. think of it this way until, you know, I've done a few, few interviews now and that's what's actually making me think of these things. I'm like, Oh yeah. I mean, we definitely like with Dave Filoni, we had strategy meetings of, of how to move Clone Wars, the, the, the soundtrack forward and what we wanted it to sound like. Um, but I, I didn't really have the nostalgia or anything like that, that, that I kind of do now that you're asking me these questions. <laughs> and I look back at it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's true. You know, uh, you know it, it is vastly, it is really different, and yet it's part of the same vibe. And, and um, I'm sort of glad I, I didn't think about it, because sometimes when you think overthink something, then you're going to blow it creatively. um i have to ask so i mean i am a huge um score and soundtrack nerd it's it's kind of like i I listen to it more than anything else um and so i've been really excited to see god bless you he he is he is well what what what, i know the reason you're saying that is because it's people like me who provide a market for releasing music right and so much of the music that we see and hear i mean that we hear on tv and movies is never released it never gets an official release we can't ever just sit down and listen to the music but i love what and i don't know whose decision this was whether it was somebody at disney or somebody at lucasfilm or somebody at disney plus but at least for the star wars shows we're getting we're like it's a it's a it's um you know we're getting spoiled with how much music we're getting like every episode of the mandalorian got a full soundtrack release you know and yeah and with the clone wars we're getting soundtracks in four episode chunks i believe so there's going to be three soundtracks for just this one season i have to imagine that's a that's a huge chunk of the music that you're writing for the season so first of all as a soundtrack nerd God bless whoever's making those decisions. But that's got to be satisfying <laughs> yeah. for you too, right? To finally get that that stuff out there. And I go back and listen to a very specific episode of Rebels, the one where they find the planet where the Lasat went when they left their right. homeworld. I listen to that one a lot. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, you know what? Uh, I, I think that finally... Um, uh, studios in general are starting to listen to the fans. Uh, also, the um, it's it's becoming simpler, I think, in a, in a way with technology to release these things. Yeah. Um, and 
I don't know. It seems like, and, and this is not really talking about Disney at all, just talking about the business in general, that a lot of the studios were really uptight about releasing these things. And I, and I don't really, I, I, I don't think there was any reason for them to be, they just were, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, I, I, a number of projects I went back and tried to get a soundtrack released and, and it was just so hard. And, and, as composers, we make very little money off of soundtrack releases uh, unless they're, you know, a, a, a giant hit like, you know, like a big blockbuster movie or right. something like that. And it, it, but it's it's just more having the exposure and and having our music out there that, for the fans. Really, that's kind of why we like to do it. You know, we like to be listened to. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't so, blame you. <laughs> yeah, I think you're going to find more and more of it. I think it's a great time for you as a soundtrack fan because I, I, it's something telling me that, that more and more of this is going to start happening. I, I sure hope so because, you know, it's for a long time you could find soundtracks, you know, some that usually they were abridged or they were just a few selections. Um, and then, you know, now it's kind of been whittled down to a handful of specialty music publishers that put out these CDs of of soundtracks and a lot of them are older soundtracks and it blows my mind how many older soundtracks are just totally unavailable like completely like you just can't find them um yeah but it was so exciting to to see with when the Mandalorian came out that with every episode they were also releasing all the music and i i yeah. took that you know i crossed my fingers and i silently hoped that you know this was a sign of great things to come so fingers crossed yeah well, yeah, and I, I, I mean, we're so far because, I, I, you know, my team has been assembling the soundtrack for season seven, and we're very excited about it. And we're, we're really having a great time uh, coming, you know, stitching these tracks together and choosing the best ones and uh, remembering kind of what we did. Like I said, sometimes it passes me by so quickly I forget, yeah. you know, what what we did and 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 also you know we get an orchestra quite often for uh for uh clone wars and and we did for rebels as well uh so you know it's 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 uh it's pretty high quality soundtrack as far as i am concerned all all told once those three soundtracks for this season are released what percentage of the music that you wrote for this season do you think will be released roughly Oh gosh, uh, hard to say. Yeah. Over fifty percent. Oh wow, probably over fifty percent. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Jamie, music yeah. is a very specific kind of math. Come on now, <laughs> that's so, not fair. Just, well, you know, <laughs> it. I just needed to know, but I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, I'm excited too. It's it's, uh, it's really great news. Yeah. So, correct me if I'm wrong, I was doing some research earlier, and I think I saw that you're also scoring Titans for DC Universe? Titans and Doom Patrol. Oh, you scored Doom Patrol also? (gasps) I missed that. Oh, my God. Now I'm even more excited. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, How is composing for something like Clone Wars, which is, you know, this multi-decade legacy, different than composing for something like Titans, which is sort of being reinvented in live action. You know, there was an animated version, but it had that weird, like, anime theme song. <laughs> um, yeah. It's essentially a, a blank slate, right? So how is yeah. it different for you? Um, well, 
or is it not? Oh, it's way different. Uh, mostly stylistically, it's different. Uh, and and also, you know, I, I it is a clean slate. Where whereas before we had the John Williams themes, and it, you know, with Clone Wars, that's always going to be part of the sound. So I, you know, it's almost apples and oranges in a way. It's but for me, it's really really refreshing be able to work in the electronic world uh and and it's something that i really prided myself on you know staying current uh i think my two sons working with me has really helped me to stay current um i remember watching some of my real heroes uh that were film composers who tried to stay current and and really kind of missed the mark and and just kind of you know didn't work so well and i i don't think that's happening with me I, i'm taking great care that you know it it's very hip and happening and um that's the cool thing about titans as well as doom patrol is that extremely electronic there's hardly any orchestra titans a little more of a hybrid orchestra electronic kind of thing um but but i will also say that working on those two shows influenced the sound of Clone Wars because I was really, really getting into, uh, you know, the electronic elements and, and really getting into the hybrid electronic slash orchestra kind of scores. And Dave Filoni was really into it too. There were a couple of soundtracks that he, he really dug. And so that's the new direction that you'll hear happening. Uh, especially once we get to about the midpoint of, of, um, season seven in Clone Wars, you'll, I mean, electronics never take over or anything like that the way they do in Titans, but there's definitely that pulse going through uh, some of the music, which, you know, never really happened in Star Wars before. I mean, it's very, I, the, Jamie, I don't know if you've heard the opening theme for Titans. I have not yet. But it's, it actually, like, changes your posture. Like, it makes you move forward wherever you're sitting and, like, lean forward into the TV. It's crazy. Oh, uh, um, that's, yeah, that's we love it. Um, how into, like, the Nightwing mythos, how far have you done research? Because the next question is only funny if, like, you have some Nightwing background. Um, I'm not so good with, with that, but, yeah, go ahead. Give it, give it a try. <laughs> okay, so... I don't know if you know that, like, Nightwing's butt is his own really important character in, like, the Batman universe. So Inquiring Minds want to know if, if Nightwing's ass is going to get its own theme song. <laughs> yes, for sure. I, I, I do understand the question, and for sure it does not have its own theme. <laughs> Thank you for letting me ask. Oh, I thought that answer but was going to go. husband's question. <laughs> I thought he, your response was going to go in a completely different direction. Once you started saying for sure, I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, yeah. <laughs> At least we know. Now we know. Now we know. Right. Were you, I mean, you'd be talking about moving into an electronic sound and having help from your, your, your sons and, and, I, not reinventing, but adapting your sound for for whatever current tastes might happen to be. Was electronic music something that you listened to, or did you just sort of try to learn it as you as you were trying to write it? 
you know, I've listened to it forever. You okay. Know, Thomas Dolby, you know, going back. And, and, uh, so I, and I did a lot of it in CSI Miami. I scored that for 10 years. In fact, that's probably now I, I don't know for sure, but I think that's why George Lucas, uh, chose me as one of the guys to audition for Clone Wars because I, I think he was a fan of the music of CSI Miami. And, hmm. and that was definitely, you know, there were three CSIs, you know, the New York, the Vegas, and the Miami. And CSI Miami was all about the very, very current look, the super groovy parties, <laughs> the whole Miami vibe and and what went along with that was the hippest most current electronic music you could find you know and mm-hmm. and that's what I was doing and trying to do in the score um and and I think George really wanted to to try to move well I know he he wanted to try to move the music forward a little bit I don't think he really knew exactly how but I I believe that you know, my work in CSI Miami is what got me, you know, at least that first audition yeah, got that I door. did for, for Clone Wars. Huh. Do you, How do composers audition? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, no, Jamie. It's, it's just not something I ever thought about before. Oh, well, they'll they'll just give us, like, say, 10 or 15 minutes of, of picture, and we all score it, the same scene. And, you know, and the best, like, uh, this just happened with this new show I'm doing called City on a Hill uh, with Kevin Bacon. Uh, you know, I had to audition for that as well. And, and it was really cool. I, I believe it was the same with Clone Wars that nobody knew who was attached to what to what music. Uh-huh. You know, so it was a blindfold. It was a blindfold test. I, I, and, you know, that's really gratifying when, when you get one of those auditions and that you know you didn't get it just because you're somebody's friend or mm-hmm. uncle or cousin or whatever it is, you know. Do you find that composing uh, for animation is different than live action? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it's denser. There, you, you don't get to, um, you, you don't get to, like, sit on a groove for a long period of time or, or even a melody uh, has to will very often get shortened or truncated. Um, animation is the most difficult writing I've ever done. I've, I've got nominated, I don't know how many Annie's, quite a, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure over five or six. And I've never won, but I, I in my speech that I've prepared uh, and never used, uh, I have always the first people I was going to speak to were the people who were nominated along with me and, and just voiced my great admiration and respect because anybody who gets nominated for an Annie uh, in music is, is a great composer in my book. Uh, it's really difficult writing. Yeah. It, I mean, you've also written for video games. Is that a, is that a different beast again, or is it, do you find it more similar yeah. to one or the other? It's it's different. No, it, it's 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 a third wheel. You know, it's a completely. Uh, it's almost more like writing concert music. Hmm. Uh, so with somebody like me, who's really visually oriented, the way I told you, um, I have to really 
make up my own scenes in my head. I kind of, I'll, I'll even kind of sketch out my own beats and storyline and things that are happening um, from the script and from the descriptions they've given me because the video game, they'll just tell you what's happening in a room and stuff. They'll give you some visuals, but you, you, you don't write, except for the cutscenes. You write the cutscenes to picture, but for yeah. the most part, video games, you don't write to picture. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got, it sounds like it's like, do you ever work on like a video game in a, in a live action or a video game and an animation? Like, do you, do they overlap at all? Do you work on them at the same time? Yeah, I, 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 you know, all, all of us kind of are working on multiple projects. There's always overlap, you know, yeah. and uh, I remember way back in the day I was writing, I was composing for Walker, Texas Ranger and Harold and the Purple Crayon at the same time. And <laughs> oh my goodness. That's, you know, and, and those were back in the days when we were using messenger services and stuff, and I'm like, you know, God help, you know, Walker, Texas Ranger if they get a Herald in the Purple Crayon <laughs> store because I know it's not going to work out so well. That would be an interesting <laughs> episode, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I had to really make sure that the tapes were labeled correctly. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that's got to be... It's got to be thrilling as a creator, right? That you're you're stretching all these completely different muscles, and you're not just relying on on the same thing again and again. Yeah, that's that's what's kept me going for 35 years, and I think one of the biggest reasons I'm not burned out. Um, you know, I get up every morning, I practice piano, I practice some weird instruments, I practice my guitar in the evenings, and then I write music for something completely different every day you know one day i could be doing electronic stuff the next day i can be doing guitar oriented stuff for narcos the next day i'm doing full orchestra for a session in Prague for clone wars or rebels or whatever star wars project i'm working on and that's just that's just awesome i mean yeah. it's just a dream come true for me and um it, it's what keeps me fresh because i, I you know i i never get tired of what i'm doing because it's always something different yeah what are the weird instruments <laughs> now i have to know uh well if you go on my website uh, my website is kevinkiner.com i have a lot of pictures of you know there's things like middle eastern like an oud or uh the thing called a tumbash and a saz and all these weird names they're stringed instruments and some of them i bow some of them i hit with hammers you know little little like dulcimer hammers or you know so i try to do the wrong thing to each instrument so i'll, <laughs> with the dulcimer, I'll bow the dulcimer and then the one that's supposed to be bowed i'll use the dulcimer hammer on that and, <laughs> you know just just to come up with something weird and different that's cool i thought bass clarinet was weird <laughs> bass clarinet is weird you, you know i played the i played the with a similar instrument to it as a bass recorder i played that on uh what was it it's the very end of like was it season five of clone wars where uh ahsoka at the very end where ahsoka leaves and i i played a bass recorder on that and i was playing um ahsoka's theme that's awesome did do you did you play bass clarinet Siri? is that why you asked i did (laughs) nice (laughs) i got money for college (laughs) nobody else played it (laughs) 
you know, I think everyone should, you know, whether you, you go into it or not, it's such a, I mean, my oldest son just had, had a daughter, and so now I'm a grandparent for the first time. And Congratulations. The first thing I do, thank you. Now, the first thing I do is I start playing her music. You know, she's three months old, and <sighs> I, I just go up there, and I, I bring a guitar, or I have the piano, or whatever, or I hum to her all the time. I, 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 I'm, I know music has healing and 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 mind expanding properties to it. It's it's the one of the healthiest things you can do in life. For sure. My son has liked Bollywood music since he was in utero. Like days <laughs> I didn't feel like he was moving enough, I put on Bollywood and he'd start like kicking like crazy. I was like, "All right, you're in there. That's good." <laughs> he still likes it. <laughs> That's a, it's a, that's a fun. You know, I always wondered. You know, Slumdog Millionaire was popular for a second, but I really thought it was going to have a little more influence, and it, yeah. it just kind of it kind of went away. But I, I love that stuff. Oh yeah, that was a ton of fun. It's that was one of the things when I was in India, we made a point to go to see a few movies like in the theater. Like we had no idea what they were saying because there was no subtitles. But just the dance, yeah. the dance and music sequences of the movies, and they're all three hours. Like they're all these three hour epic, like romantic musicals, you know. And it's like they're just right. so much fun to watch and listen to. I loved it. Yeah. What I mean, so what do you listen to? Like when you're just sitting back, not working, you're just chilling. You're like, you know, like hanging out on the couch, and you turn on some music. What do you listen to? Well, my tastes are pretty much as eclectic as my work. Um, so if you, like, I have Sirius Radio in the car, and if you go through my Sirius channel, it's, like, everything from, like, B.B. King's Bluesville to the Sinatra channel to, you know, the the heavy metal. Yeah. I forget what they're, but yeah, there's, like, an Ozzy's Boneyard, I think it's called. Yeah. To, you know, Bluegrass. I love the Bluegrass channel. Uh yeah, I, I, there's they, people have been in my car and just looked at me like, "What? What is this?" Because they'll get in and all of a sudden it's the Latino channel because I'm doing narcos, you know, and I, I really got to get into the that kind of Latin flavor. And so, I mean, I straight up listen to you know stuff that where they're not singing in English, and and it's it's really fun. The Latin music is really so. I'm kind of all over the place. I mean, good music. Yeah. Uh, is not constrained to any. I mean, I love country music. I, I listen. What's the? Oh, it's um. Gosh, it's like a raw con- country. It's not Willie Nelson channel, but there's there's like outlaw country. Oh, outlaw. Yeah, I know. I, I was trying to think of it. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So any of the stuff that's that's, I guess, a little more pure and raw like that of whatever genres. Right? And, and of course, I listen to the classical. You know, station yeah. that one of my go-tos too. So I'm, I'm kind of all over the place. Are there, um, composers working today? I mean, not like the, the big famous guys like John Williams, but like, are there other composers today, um, that, that excite you that you look forward to just as a fan, like hearing what they're, what they're coming out with next? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I love Alexander the slot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think John Powell is, it's one of the great gifts to yep. our, our business. Um, Harry Gregson Williams, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, you know, now somebody's going to get mad at me because there's a couple <laughs> of people. Uh, 
Daniel Pemberton is so fun. I, I mean, you know, there's like really fun, fresh ca- cats. I, I just mentioned a bunch of English guys, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. but it's okay. Little, you know, Dan- Pemberton's um, score for Into the Spider Verse is one of my favorite sco- soundtracks from this century. Um, and yeah. I would have to say that his work on The Dark Crystal for the Netflix show is is almost surpassing it because I just love it. I listen to it all the time and it is just so good. Yeah. Yeah. It it really is. He's, I, I've gotten, when I was nominated for an Emmy for Clone Wars a couple of years ago, he was at a couple of those parties and, um, I got to chat with him for a little bit and he's, he's a really fresh mind and he's super, super great talent. Yeah. Uh, um okay aside we, you know, we talked about john williams earlier but aside from him correct me if i'm wrong but i think that you have written more music for star wars than anyone else is that true yeah not even aside from him so if i get paid by the pound i win <gasps> wow yes i guess that's true i never even thought about that yeah yeah <laughs> i mean i think it's it's like a at a hundred hours or something like that right now Holy moly. Close to that. Yeah. Um, okay, well then, then you're the perfect guy to ask then. Since you've written the most music for Star Wars, what is Star Wars music? If you if you if you boil it down to its core, what is Star Wars music? Um Star Wars music is not shy. It's it's extremely broad and heroic. And um, it, and gigantic in scope. Um, I mean, think about it. it. You know, if somebody just hummed to you, dun 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 da da dun da da. I mean, that could even seem ridiculous in certain, <laughs> you know, circumstances, right? Right. Here comes the bad guy, da 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 da. You know. But it's not ridiculous because it's in Star Wars and it's, you know, it's a, it's a fantastic melody, but it toes the line between how broad it is and how giant in scope it is. Um, and you can get away with that in Star Wars because it's, it's fantastic, you know, and the story is fantastic. So, so it echoes the scope of what, you know, I mean, Star Wars is arguably you know, almost started another religion, you know, with the force and, mm-hmm. and, and, and just, it's the greatest myth probably ever propagated amongst mankind. That's and, and wow. It is. It, 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 if you go into to Skywalker ranch, you go to the library, which has a Jules Verne kind of awesome vibe to it, it yeah. at the, the great house, the plantation house on Skywalker ranch. Almost the entire ground floor of the library is books on different mythologies, from Aztec to Mayan to whatever kind of mythology there is, you know. And and you can see George's fan was, you know, fascinated with that. Mm-hmm. So so the music is a reflection of how broad and enormous that concept is. If you shifting gears just a little bit, 
if you had to hold up um, one of your scores from your 35 years that best exemplifies your career or something that you'd want everyone to hear to say, this is Kevin Kiner, what would you choose? Ahsoka leaves. Really? Out of everything you've written? Probably, yeah. Uh, I did a, I did a film called The Other Side of Heaven where those are all my melodies. Um, and that's, I, I consider that some of the better best melodies I've ever written. Uh, it's, it's a film about a missionary in Tonga. Uh, and I don't know that, but um, yeah, yeah, hmm. probably. I mean, it's, it's very hard for me to have any one, but, yeah. but in my star Wars music, the, the Ahsoka leaves is in, you know, I mean, the feature film has, has some cues I'm very, really proud of. Again, with Ahsoka's thing, there's a, there's a track on the original day, 2008 soundtrack to the, to the Clone Wars movie, uh, called General Loathsome slash Ahsoka. And I think about 12 seconds in, there's a theme of hers and, and a minute, 16 seconds in, there's another theme of hers that, you know, are not, they're, I think, really strong melodies. In fact, I use them a lot in season seven. That was part of what I did when I went back. And, you know, when we spoke about trying to remember what Clone Wars was all about, um, those were two themes that I felt were underutilized. And I, I used them a lot more in season seven. And one of them I call is Ahsoka's victorious theme. So there's a lot of really good stuff in that Clone Wars movie as well. Um, but if I had to pick the top episode, it would be the Ahsoka's Leaves uh, episode. Fair enough. Fair enough. Sherry... I mean, that that never gets less emotional. So I think yeah. that speaks yeah. to the music also. You know, it's all... Yeah. I still cry every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we all do. We get. I just got goosebumps right now. I mean, it's just it's it's one of those things where they had the courage to put a really really important character in a very bad place, kind of, mm-hmm. and, and, and or it, it, at least in a very real place, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know that's the best that uh, modern film and 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 drama can do is to be really honest and realistic with your characters. Fair enough. Shiri, you want to take us out with the last one? Yeah, we always try to do a fun question for the last one. So, um, what color would your lightsaber be? (laughs) Wow. Oh, I'm (laughs) terrible at this. I am so (laughs) terrible at this. And I have to tell you, even, you know, I mean, there are so many fans that know Star Wars lore better than George Lucas does. And, and you know, just having worked with George, you know, it, it's so funny how, how he's, he's forgotten, like, some of the things, you know, or at least he had 10 yeah. years ago when I was working with him. Um, uh, I, uh, I, I'm just not qualified to answer that. <laughs> What you, you know? What see? I pay so little. I am so not visual. I, I am such a auditory kind of person, and so focused on sound. I what color is a Socus lightsaber? Which one? Oh boy! Oh, <laughs> oh 
Nancy. This is fail, fail, fail. I, 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 uh, I, I'm just they're, I'm failing now they're white. I, yeah. I, they're white. She's got she's got two, right? They're white. They're white. Yeah. Okay. Her old ones white. were blue. New ones are white. I only know this because I have two Ahsoka tattoos, and one is a Padawan one where they're blue, and one is a grown-up Ahsoka where they're white. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I guess mine would have to be white. Then. This has been the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us online at thegbbpodcast.com and on Twitter and Facebook at thegbbpodcast. Thanks again for subscribing and listening. We really do appreciate it. And until next week, I am Jamie Green, and you can find me at The Roarbots. Take care. Take care.